0: It's good joy to have a wonderful time to have Dr. Timothy Barrett with us this morning. Dr. Barrett is a Bahamian who has been practicing medicine for the past 37 years. He is a trained phys- uh, psychiatrist and currently holds the position of Director of Community Mental Health Services for the Public Hospitals Authority. He is a clinical tutor for the School of Clinical Medicine and Research, Bahamas. Additionally, he is in private practice and is a managing director Psychological Associations Limited, a company which provides not only psychiatric services but also employee assistant programs and training, especially in the area of human resource development. It's frequently used in a, as a resource for lectures and seminars in managing stress, conflict resolution, time management, emotional management, leadership development, and team building and maintenance, etc and has been the Associate Lecturer for the Master's Degree Program for the University of West Indies School of Business in Cave Hill, Barbados. Additionally, he has provided services for regional banks and government organizations throughout the Caribbean. Having been ordained to the Sacred Gospel Ministry, he is very active in church ministry at Kemp Road Ministries, where he is an Associate Pastor and is responsible for marriage preparation and in counseling. Along with leadership training. He is married to the former Samantha Adderley and has four children Timothy Jr., Mark, Torino, Toriano, and Joel. Dr. Barrett, thank you for taking time to be with us this morning, and we'd like to welcome you to our pulpit this morning. God bless you. Thank you.
1: Thank you, Ben. Rachel and I um, feel honored and privileged to have been invited to be your speaker for a second time. I've been here before. I must not have offended too many people as you invited me back, but certainly uh, my respects to Pastor Lee, I thank Pastor Honor. I am in touch with Pastor Arnett for various reasons. Uh, oh for a, a lot of times but I certainly know him and know of him and know of his work in the Christian Counseling Center. Um, I'm going to speak with you today about a topic uh, that is, is I think important for us to talk about and it is stress. I'm not going to go and do the usual thing about stress where we focus on, well, you know, how you manage stress. I will talk about that, uh, but I want us to get at the end of my talk today. I want you to have a much better idea of what this whole thing called stress is. I want you to leave here feeling, okay, I understand that a little bit more and I hope that that is achieved at the end of the day if not you can tell me after the service Uh, let's pray Father God I thank you for this opportunity to minister and now let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight O Lord my strength my Redeemer can you all hear me well? can you all hear me well? more importantly Can you hear the Holy Spirit? I hope hope that the Holy Spirit will speak through me to you. And so it's important that the Holy Spirit will guide you to all truth. I can only give you and point you in the direction I think is the truth. But remember this, and I'm jumping ahead of what I'm going to say now. No strength of your belief makes anything true. You need to say that to yourself. No strength of my belief makes anything true, it certainly makes it true to you, but doesn't make it the truth. Our use of the term stress has become a normal part of everyday communication, we got songs about it, we have little children talking about you stressing me out, the first words out of their mouth sometimes, before they can speak good, just stressing me man. And, and, you know, I don't, I don't think we really understand it because almost always it is associated with something negative. And so every time you say stress, you think negative. Now, you, you have to be careful in life. We make associations very easily, very easily. So if I go through this corner and every time I go through this corner, I, I smell this, this particular scent, And I go through there ten times. When, As I'm approaching the corner, I almost start to smell the thing before I get there. You understand? Because of associations. So the term itself becomes a source of problems for us. So when we think stress, immediately negative overwhelms us. Because we're not thinking anything positive. We think stress, we think negative. In fact, what is stress? Stress is a part of life and is any change you have to adapt to. If you want to define stress, then you say it's any change I have to adapt to. So everything requires uh, you to adapt and so it is a stressor. Could you imagine if you were to go to a university uh, and, and, and enroll in a course and they said to you, well, you know, you can come, uh, or don't come as you please. Uh, you can take the exams, you study or don't study, but you'll still get an A. Uh, who, who, who would study? Don't lie now, you're in church. <laughs> who, who would study? Very few of us. Uh, because, you know, it, it needs a stressor to lift us up to the level of Performance That is going to be our best Stress is really your best friend When you use it wisely And I hope you understand that, that, that stress is to be your tool And not to be utilizing you You are supposed to be utilizing it It's not supposed to be causing something to happen to you You're supposed to be using it To affect something that you want to happen this year in the United Kingdom, on the 2nd of November, this is National Stress Awareness Day. And the theme is well-being and resilience at work. They, this is their 13th National Stress Awareness Day. It is so important to them because they said that in the last four years, the measurements of stress in the community, that has doubled in the United Kingdom doubled in the last four years and of course what they're talking about is is not what I've just spoken about which is stress that you utilize to cause good things to happen they're talking about something else and we'll get to that in a minute Walter Cannon in 1929 was the first person to use the word stress in emotional uh, in emotional crises and uh, he's one of the uh, really outstanding people in the history of the development of the modern-day concept of stress. Hans Seeley did a lot of work uh, from the 1940s to the 1970s on strain and stress because he, he was hesitant to use the word uh, stress first because he had likened it to the coefficient of strain which is a physics principle. Every metal has a coefficient of strain. Now The coefficient of strain for a metal determines at what pressure that metal is going to crack. And so let's say the coefficient of strain for a particular metal is 60 pounds per square inch and that's how it would be expressed. You can apply 59.999999 pounds of force to that metal and it will bend but it will not break. As soon as you apply 60 pounds per square inch to that metal it will crack. And so he saw that in people who were coming to see him there were thresholds that were important for different people and they would crack under certain amounts of pressure and you would get physical and emotional symptoms uh, as a result. Uh, but he still stuck with the word stress rather than strain But in modern terminology we, we have uh, included strain uh, in talking about stress as when stress lasts for a long time it then causes you strain But he uh, hansily distinguished between you stretch which, which is good stress, stress that you use and that helps you to, to, to get an A that helps you to be on time, that helps you to be productive at work, that helps you to be creative in problem solving, uh, and distress. Now when you say stress, what you mean is distress. Okay? And generally speaking, you mean distress. Stress that causes you a negative reaction. Stress that overwhelms. Stress that causes you to to, to not function in the way you normally would. That, that cause you to lose sleep. That, that makes you have funny feelings in your belly and, and all those sorts of things. That, that's what you mean. Now there are some equivalents in the Bible because you know, stress started out with, with, with human beings. It, it didn't just come in the last uh, 100 years. Uh, so you'll find words like trouble, tribulation worry anxiety fear in fact does anybody know how many times this phrase fear not is in the bible you have any idea you could talk plenty yeah (laughs) but I I didn't see that uh, the number plenty anywhere. (laughs) but it is by researchers I, I, I didn't count it but researchers say 365 times. Does, does that make any? Uh, does that ring a bell with you? You understand? One feast a year. You need to fear not, because the natural reaction of man is to fear. It's amazing. If you uh, were celebrated as the employee of the decade in, 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 your, in your workplace, and, and let's say you work. Uh, for me and we celebrated you as the employee of the decade we had a special party for you not only did we have a special party for you but I called you aside that day when we celebrated and I said to you, you know, you are my right hand, everything that we do well here is because I can depend on you, I want to thank you not only publicly but privately and let you know I appreciate you, alright so that's Wednesday Thursday morning You come to work, you're beaming from Wednesday, you're sitting at your desk. I pass your office. I say, I need to see you in my office in an hour, please. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Your first reaction is fear. I wonder what I do now. What do you want to talk to me about? I just told you yesterday. And when you get into the office, when you get into the office, I say to you, in addition to what we're going to do now, I'm going to raise your salary and I'm going to promote you. See, you were worried for an hour unnecessarily. My question to you is, do you have time to spend worrying? Because what I'm going to tell you is that I I, am very, very particular about how I spend my time. All right? Now, if, if somebody would be Uh, uh, helpful for me Uh, and the one with a person with a loud voice. I want you to spell time for me please. Just humor me. Spell time. Loud voice. Thank you sir. (laughs) Uh, Now you see most of you would agree that that's how you spell time. I don't spell time like that because I can't really get a hold of the meaning of time when I spell a T-I-M-E. But if I spell time L-I-F-E then I start getting a hold of the true meaning of time because every time I do something I spend my T-I-M-E which is my L-I-F-E which I cannot get back are you hearing me Uh, when you do something you're saying it is worth it to me to invest my life which is my precious priceless irreplaceable life in this activity which I know I cannot get back, so I this is going to be the most important thing that I can do because I'm spending my life doing it. Well, I hope you hear me. Every time you do something, there's no insignificant moment in life, I get old as I stand up here. <laughs> I'm near the grave now, see so you don't want to talk about that, say so everybody want, everybody, everybody want to go to heaven but ain't nobody want that. <laughs> But I am closer to dying now than I was when I stood up here. I have no fear of death. What I do not want is to not live a fulfilled life. And I'm talking to people who believe in God. So I'm going to talk to you in a particular way. This won't be the way I talk to a secular audience. I'm going to demand more from you than I demand from a secular audience. Because you have knowledge, and you have a belief system that they don't have. You know, the Bible says, what good is it that you love somebody who loves you? I mean, you say <laughs> all kind of people could do that. That, that, that. that doesn't make you special. But if you could love somebody who is unlovable, who, could, who despitefully uses you, now you're showing... What kind of person you are as a Christian? It's it's also associated with anger, envy. You got to be careful about this thing, envy, you know.
0: <laughs>
1: Bitterness, resentment—that's cancerous to you because you hold that inside and unforgiveness. In fact, forgiveness, forgiving, is a gift you give yourself. It's a gift you give. You don't forgive for the other person. You forgive for you. So you can be unburdened by the weight of unforgiveness. Job. What the Bible says. Job 14 and 1. Man that is born of a woman is of a few days and full of trouble. So the Bible tells you it's a few days and it's plenty trouble. So why are you surprised? (laughs) It says that. If, you know, and Job. You know, Job is the oldest book in the Bible. That that's the one that they say was written first. Yeah, look it up. First Peter four and twelve. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you. Why are you surprised? You're a Christian. Why are you surprised? You heard about um, uh, the fellow who just who, who got killed because he was wearing a cross we live in a land where we are free to worship we are free we can call the name of God in our schools we can say prayers and we rejoice 1 <laughs> Corinthians 10 13 there have no temptation taken you but such as common to man. What is most personal is most universal. What is most personal is most universal. I could give you a few examples, but I won't go there. And look at this Hebrews 5 and 8. Though he were a son, who, who is he? Jesus. Though he were a son, yet learned he obedience. How? By the things which he suffered. Jesus had to learn obedience by the things which he suffered. In life, when you are faced with any eventuality, you can do one of two things. You can groan, that is, complain and talk about how bad it is, or you can grow. While you're groaning, you cannot grow. In order for you to grow, you have to stop growing. You need to let that sink in and take that with you this week. And here's something, anybody in here patient, considers themselves patient, raise your hand if you consider yourself patient, okay, I see a few hands. So the rest of you are not patient. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands because, you know, let's say the rest of you are not patient. But let me give everybody in a few seconds all the patience you need for the rest of your life. Because you associate patience with a feeling. You associate patience with your ability to tolerate things. It has nothing to do with that. Nothing at all. In fact, patience is a decision, It's a choice. You choose to exercise patience in situation, And the more, you, the more difficult the situation is, the more you exercise it, the more you get better at being patient, which you say you want to be. So you have to exercise patience. See, the Bible talks about patience and work. It says, tribulation worketh patience. Patience, experience and experience hope. Tribulation worketh patience. Patience experience. Experience hope. Now let's look at the characteristics of stressors. Stress, like beauty, is in the eye of the beholder. In other words, what's going to stress me out is not going to stress you out necessarily. Now we may agree that this stressing me out, but on other occasions, I might say to you, "You letting that bother you. You see? There we have a problem, because we don't understand and respect the differences and the individualities that uh, attend every situation. So stress is unique to the individual. There are some people in here who don't like flying. I am not asking you to raise your hand. You, you don't like flying, you don't like to get on a plane, you're you, you you have you, you're tense, you, 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 you're unsettled until the plane lands. There are some people who have to come to me before they go on a plane, every time before they go on a plane because I have to get them ready to travel. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta talk them because, <laughs> boy, I don't know. I I, 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 if I could take, if I could take a boat, I would go. But I have to take a plane. And there's nothing wrong with that, except that it disables their ability to move about freely. It causes them a problem. So it's unique to the individual, but it's also a complex set of associations from our process of development and our current stage of development. As we go through development, we get programmed into responding and reacting and responding to a variety of stimuli and and that's how we react and you know what we say, well that's just the way I am. (laughs) How many times have you said that? That's the way you have become. That's the way you've become, you've been programmed. And the reason people can push your buttons is because just like there's a certain switch to turn on these lights, they know if they do A, you're gonna react B. Why? Because you've shown them that if you do this, I'm gonna react this way reliably every time. Nobody can push a button in you that you didn't show them where the button was and how to push it. Don't forget that. Your reactions to things in life are so strongly influenced by what you believe that, that you really have to check your belief system <laughs> every time you react to something and, and say to yourself, okay, this is what I think about this, this is what I believe. It also talks about what you expect, what you think is right, and of course, if you think something is right, if somebody disagrees with you, they are. Y'all ain't sound too sure. <laughs> but you're sure when you tell them they're wrong. Okay. What you think is right, what you want, what you like, what you don't like, it, it, it's all based on how you see the world, but no. Nobody can see the world like you see it nobody nobody Pastor wallace, I assume that's your wife
0: <laughs>
1: I hate to do that in public, you know, but I, I made a good assumption would, would you hold a hand for me hold his hand you know okay All right. can, can you tell us how? Your hand feels holding hers. Feels warm? Yeah? Yeah? Now, now tell us how her hand feels holding yours. Huh? That's right. There is no way that he knows. He has not a clue. They're doing the same thing at the same time. It's intimate. It's They agree, it's loving, it's warm, but he does not know. This is our unique experience of life. And we have to understand that because we keep expecting people to think and behave like we do. And we're putting pressure on them and we're putting pressure on us. It's an unattainable goal. Even identical twins have different fingerprints. Are you hearing me? Everybody's experience of the world is different. And it's also influenced by your age and your gender. Generally speaking, we know that females are going to react to certain things in a different way from males. But sometimes you see men and they react in a way you think a female would react. And sometimes you think, now don't there, fellas. Don't, don't, don't go there. <laughs> don't go, see, I, I know that. Don't, don't go there, fellas. Stay with me. <laughs> and we see, we see women reacting in a way that we think would be male. Okay? Uh, let me move on. <laughs> uh, briefly, I'm going to talk about the stress response because you need to know that if something causes an alarm or you assess that there is some kind of threat, there's going to be a stress response that takes place in your body. This stress response is automatic and unconscious. There's a release of adrenaline and cortisol, these hormones, some other things as well. We we don't have time to go into that. Uh, There's an increase in your heart rate and in the force of contraction in your heart, so you feel as though your heart is pounding. Or you feel is beating real, real quickly. It is. Because that's the normal adaptive response that you have to stress situations. It's called a stress response. Your muscles get tense. They're sweating. There's are trembling. You know, if you come up to speak, sometimes when, when you, you, you come up to speak, you don't want to hold the mic. Because the mic... <laughs> Somebody grab a hold of this mic for me, please. Uh, I, I used to be like that until I, I realized, okay, that just means I'm ready. Because if you say you're scared, you're scared. If you say you're ready, you're ready. That, now that's for public speaking. Anybody, you're supposed to feel, up. That's 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 what gets you ready to speak. Okay. Other than that, you can be flat dead. Okay. So if I'm not having little butterflies in my stomach and if I'm not feeling a little short of breath, and then I'm not quite ready. I don't, you know, I'm not paying attention to this. This, uh, I don't consider this a significant event in my life. So shortness of breath, gastric discomfort, butterflies, tension in your neck, you know, in the back here. Move your head all about the place. And and if somebody walks by and gives you a little massage in the back, you usually say, oh yeah, all right, that's good. That happens to us all the time. But we get headaches as a result of that. Normally the headaches would be right here, okay? When you stand up to talk like this, try mouth, can't find saliva anywhere, okay? Makes it difficult to swallow. After you swallow so much and you swallow in the air, you get air full of, uh, a belly full of air and you start with the eructations. You know what eructations are? <laughs> You have increased viction. Go to the bathroom faster. A lot of people get sent to me by by, by uh, all these doctors who people go to. There's numbness and tingling, and in your fingers and toes. And as it becomes chronic, it leads to many illnesses. This unfortunately can cause uh, an increase in all kinds of things like cardiovascular disease, cancers, stomach uh, disorders. And so we need to be able to make sure that we, we are in the eustress, not the distress uh, uh, functioning. Cognitive symptoms, other effects of distress, cognitive symptoms, memory problems, problems with concentration, poor judgment, focus on the negative, focus on the problem, not the solution, anxious and racing thoughts, constant worrying. Then we go to emotional symptoms, moodiness, irritability or being short-tempered, agitation, inability to relax, feeling overwhelmed, sense of loneliness, general unhappiness that may even lead to depression. Then there are behavioral symptoms. You could say hey, amen, you know. I, I. <laughs> Behavioral symptoms. Eating more or eating less. Because you can eat more, there's comfort eating. And then sleeping more or sleeping less. Okay. Isolating yourself. Procrastinating. Neglecting your responsibilities. Using alcohol, drugs, or cigarettes to relax. Now I know that's your friends, that and your. Okay? <laughs> and then nervous habits like pulling at your ear or biting your nails, or tapping your foot. These are all signs of nervous habits. Let's talk about things that can help an individual who experiences some degree of distress. Things that can help. First of all, you have to take stock, take inventory of who you are, how you react to things. You have to make sure that you know yourself well because you have to manage you. Nobody's coming in to manage your stress for you. You have to manage your own stress levels. Take stock. Stock. What can I control? God grant me the serenity to what? Accept the things I cannot change. The courage to change the things that I can and the wisdom to know the difference. Let's change that wording a little bit. God grant me the serenity to accept the the things I cannot control. The courage to control the things that I can and the wisdom to know the difference. But at the end of the day, the whole business in relation to stress is a matter of who is in control. Whether you feel that the locus of control is internal or the locus of control is external. Now, for Christians, the locus of control should be external. But it should be in the sovereign God, and you should submit. I of myself now, but you should you should be submitting to that control freely. I, I'll get to it. I, I, let me not go ahead of myself. Okay. So take stock, take inventory. You need to do this, and you need to do this regularly because things change. Take responsibility for and manage your emotions. Take that frown off your face and put a smile on your face. You keep talking about how people make you vex. Ain't nobody get the power to make you vex. Where do where they get that from? Unless you gave it to them. So no, I get vexed when he said, I got vexed when she did that. Yes, there is an association between getting vexed on what people do. And listen, the people that can get you the most vexed are the people who are closest to you. Alright? You understand that? So that's where you have to exercise (laughs) your skills the most. Okay. Say a prayer. (laughs) Yeah, say two prayers. That's right. (laughs) Good as, you know. Improve your communication skills. You need to know how to communicate assertively and effectively. which, Which is, I hear what you're saying, but I'm not quite in agreement. I think, I feel, I, I, I would like to discuss, I prefer. All right. Calmly, uh, not accusing anybody. When you say there's an association between what you did and how I feel, rather than blaming the person for how you feel, they don't have to defend. They can listen. And it's important for you to communicate. If you attack them, they're going to defend. Unless they're very good at At communication and understand where I should listen. Exercise. What does that say there? Exercise man. But most people tell me three days a week. I I agree. If you want to exercise three days a week, I'm going to be in agreement with you. All I'm going to tell you is those are the days you eat. (laughs) 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 All right. The other days you don't exercise, you don't eat. Because it's a business, the business is simply calories in versus calories out. And so if you're not exercising, you're not having calories out. You're having calories in which are being stored up. Okay? So exercise daily. It doesn't have to be much. But get into the habit of doing something 10, 15 minutes a day. Pay attention to, no, to your nutrition. I didn't say diet. Pay attention to your nutrition. Establish your principles and set your priorities according to them. Most people live life by accident and not on purpose. You, you react to what's happening and then you do something. You should have principles that are established that you've written down somewhere. And when something happens, you check your principles to see what you should be doing about this. Not how you feel, not who it is, not where it is. Not whether it's going to give you an advantage or not. And that's living a principle-centered life. Get in balance, stay in balance. Get in balance, stay in balance. I'm going to ask Brother Smith to come here and show you all what balance is. Uh, In fact, he's going to come over here so you can see properly. Now when he was lying down in bed this morning... That was what I would call static balance. And there was not much by way of uh, uh, movement, although everything is moving. The only thing that's immutable is God, so everything else is mutable, right? Okay. When he was sitting down, that's more dynamic, but not really dynamic. Standing up, that's even more dynamic. But if he would do me a favor and stand on one leg for me, (laughs) <laughs> you see what he has to do? He has to make these little movements to stay in balance. Thank you very much. That's what life is all about. You have to keep checking your balance point and make your little adjustments so that you stay in balance. It's not set it and forget it. And unfortunately that's what we want to do. And then rest, rack, relax and refresh. Rest, it means I'm not moving physically. Relax, that means I'm, I got physical relaxation, I have mental relaxation. Okay, because I could be resting, but tense. So I want to rest and relax. But if you look in, in, in the King James Version and you look at, at Exodus chapter 31, verse 17, it says, For in six days God created in the heavens and the earth. And on the seventh day, he rested finish it for me. And was refreshed. Wow. Exodus chapter 31 verse 17. And was refreshed. Refreshing is doing things that you enjoy. Looking back at your accomplishments and saying, you know, well done. And didn't God do that? Uh, you know, after the third day he said, it's good. After the fourth he said, it's good. Fifth he said, it's good. And after the sixth day, when he made me, he said, very good. (laughs) Uh, Then, as Christians, we need to pray for guidance in everything we do. And trust God. And let me give you a clue about trusting. Trusting goes out the window once knowledge comes in. Once knowledge comes in, I don't have to trust anymore. I don't have to trust that Pastor Arnold is sitting in in the front of people. If I called from outside, I say, is Pastor Arnold there? He said, yes, he's in the church. He's sitting in the front of I have to trust that they're telling me the truth. As soon as I see him, I don't have to trust it anymore. So since God is omniscient and we have the questions, we have to trust our sovereign God in the benevolence, in the fact that he loves us unconditionally and wants only to bless us. I know the thoughts I have towards you. Okay? Trust in God. That's very important. Now, things that help the family, and I'm, I'm soon finished. Even secular studies have shown the value of a well-organized family. These families show, one, high degree of unity. two, Reciprocal functioning, in other words, movable power today and that this person got to do that and this person, no, if this person can't do this, we, we get it done, some sort of way. And definite function in the larger community, the family makes a contribution to the larger community. It doesn't withdraw to itself as we have done so now. We've gone from extended families to nuclear families, which wasn't too bad because we still form part of a network but now we have people just living in the homes with other people and everybody go in their room and watch TV and take their food in the room and watch TV but if you look at, at, at what they say about eating together as a family and how that reduces uh, um, conduct problems in children and more than three times a week, three or more times a week uh, drug uh, uh, experimentation teenage pregnancy, just eating together as a family. Look it up. Studies in, 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 that have, have shown just eating together as a family. So it's really important. Two key factors emerge. Number one, integration in the family and adaptability, your your ability to, to deal with whatever comes up. All right. And the things that help the family additionally are acceptance of and contribution to the family's objectives, we all pull together. You know, the Bible says, how can two walk together unless they be agreed? But you don't have to agree before you walk together, what you need to do is agree to walk together. You see it? You see the difference? See, if you wait to agree before you walk together, you might never walk together. But you have to say, okay, we have to go here. We don't quite agree, but let's agree to walk together. Think about it. Then subordination of personal ambitions to family objectives. Do we do that? Or everybody for himself or herself? The conduct in families should be controlled by accepted family traditions and ideals. That's what you should control it. I, I tell my family, I say, we are exporters, we are not importers, we learn at home and we take out, we don't learn out and bring in, we're in the export business, and by the way, I am immigration and customs, <laughs> I am immigration and customs, you don't bring that lesson here, where you found that from? My family's here, they can tell you. <laughs> Satisfaction for personal interests are also found within the family. You get together, you, you, you have fun together, uh, you, you you meet your financial goals together, there's intellectual stimulation according to you know the conversation you have, working on things. And that's just a little touch there. And lastly, trusting God. Submit your will to his will. You know, Jesus showed us how to pray. I didn't say he told us how to pray. Listen to me good. I said he showed us how to pray. Where? The garden of Gethsemane. He said, I am sorrowful unto death. And he was sweating blood. Distressed. But he said, not my will, thy will be done. And he went back and prayed that three times. Because the first time he prayed it, he came back, he was still a little vexed. With the, with the, he said, I can't wait for me one hour. I can't leave you one hour. He said, no, I got to go pray again. <laughs> but he prayed until he had peace. Where he could come and say, sleep on, take your rest. Sleep on. Now he could go as a lamb to the slaughter without a murmur and fulfill that prophecy. When your will, which He gave you, the most precious thing that He gave you, your will to determine to go or to come, when you say, I submit my will to yours, which is what Jesus did, now well, then you're going to get your triumph. Everybody got to go through their own Gethsemane. Alright? Act on what you believe. Don't just quote it to people. Act on it. You say it, and start doing it. If the Bible is going to help us while we're here on earth, let's do it. You know, I, I, I listened to um, <coughs> Brother Wallace uh, singing. And as a trained singer, I recognized that before he would go and try to place a note, place a note. He took a deep breath. That gave him the foundation to sustain it and to have it go smoothly. So we need foundation for everything. We have to know how to establish foundation before we start moving on. John 14 and 1 Let not, that is you have to let, you decide let not your heart be troubled ye believe in God, believe also in me but you have to, it's up to you. John 16 33 In this world, there you shall have tribulation, but what? Be of good cheer. Choose to be of good cheer. In the face of tribulation. In the face of tribulation. Choose to be. See, as Christians, I'm challenging you to come up to that level now. Stop doing what everybody else does and complaining. Man, this thing's stressing me out. That is not where you should be. That's not where we should be. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on These things. Can you do that for a week? Try it. Whatever happens, put it to that test. Is it lovely? Is it true? Is it just? Is it pure? Is there any virtue? Is it of good report? If it's not, you reject it. You know, the Bible says take every thought captive and bring it into the obedience of Christ. It says it, but do we do it? We don't even attempt to do it. So my challenge to you is to understand that as human beings, stress is part of our lives. The Bible tells us so. But it tells us that we have a sovereign God and if we submit our will to His and if we trust Him, thou will keep Him, it says, in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on the riches most where most Christians stop. Alright, there's a colon there. It says, because he trusteth in thee. Thank you very much.